welcome to a special edition of the Everson Cooper podcast. Not only do you have Andy and I today, but also we are in the car recording. Everson Cooper on the road. <laughs> We've got a lot going on and just have not had a chance to sit down and do our recording for our podcast coming up. So we just decided on our way to Dallas to see some family, we were going to do a little recording. So here we are. That means you're going to hear all the excitement of Cooper when he gets, you know, has something to say in the podcast. It's going to be good. My road rage. (laughs) So today we come to you with some listener questions. We have been so blessed to be doing this for quite a few months now. It's kind of crazy, but we love it. And we love the people that have come and joined us on our podcast. We are so grateful for them and their time. And along the way, we have gotten quite a few listener questions. So we thought that we would bring those answers to you and and get you guys to know us a little bit better and know more about what we're doing and why we're doing it. Welcome to the Everson Cooper podcast. We are entrepreneurs that are interested in what makes people successful. In this podcast, we sit down with a wide range of people with diverse perspectives and backgrounds. We dive into the obstacles that they've had to overcome, their successes, unique experiences, and everything in between. Our goal is to continuously learn from those around us and share their knowledge so that we can all find something that makes us better and makes those around us better. We hope you enjoy. So the first listener question is, what was your inspiration for starting a podcast? What is the ultimate goal? Andy? Uh, So our inspiration for starting a podcast, so let me back up a little bit. Elizabeth and I both read a lot of books or or listen to a lot of audio books, listen to a lot of podcasts, uh, just try to have a lot of different interesting conversations, especially when we were starting out and we were trying to figure out know how do we start this business how do we run this business how do we not drive ourselves crazy all that good stuff uh and so ultimately after two years of just trying to consume as many things as possible to to figure out how to be successful we realized that one we're listening to a lot of really cool podcasts and that was the those are that's great stuff it's great uh information and it's effectively free this the second thing was we'd already had an opportunity to sit down with a lot of interesting people, basically at the cost of a cup of coffee. You know, we'll say, hey, we'll buy you a cup of coffee or a glass of wine or, you know, come over to our house and we'll cook you dinner. And we want to learn about how the heck you became successful and these hurdles that you overcame and and things like that. And so after a while, we realized, we're like, hey man, we're having these really awesome conversations. The information in in these conversations we're not the only ones that could benefit from it. There's a lot of people that we meet that ask us, how are you doing what you're doing? And so we just wanted to continue to, to spread that. We wanted to continue to uh, you know, be generous and have an, uh, an abundance mindset with the knowledge and the information that we've been able to collect and gather and apply over the last couple of years. And so that's, we kind of had the idea to start a podcast. And if people wanted to listen, fantastic. If they didn't, well, then maybe we'll stop. And so far we're like, you know, 25, 26 episodes in and our listener base is growing. So thank you guys for for listening. We we are uh, on like four different continents and like 10 or 12 different countries, which is crazy, which is awesome. Um, So that's kind of the, that was kind of the inspiration 
for it. Um, the goal or the, the ultimate goal going forward, I mean, I think it's, it's probably going to change, you know, as, as we continue to go. And But we, we want to continue to meet and talk with inter- interesting people. We want to continue to uh, create and put out meaningful and compelling um, conversations and topics uh, so that, you know, that we can continue to learn and that our listeners listen to the podcast and say, man, I feel great. I feel better um, for listening to this podcast, but I also feel more informed and I feel more prepared for whatever it is that I want to do. Um, whatever our listener base gets to or whatever, you know, I don't know. That's kind of, that's, that's really just a byproduct. For us, it's more about are we doing something that's meaningful and purposeful and that people can listen to it and then uh, they feel great and they want to go and, uh, and apply it and, uh, and, and do something good for, for whatever they're doing. No, I like it. I absolutely agree. You know, we get so much inspiration and encouragement and empowerment from books and other podcasts and the people in our community that are so amazing around us. And we just wanted to share that. So I think that as long as we are sharing other people's stories and inspiring others and helping them to be empowered and go on their day, then we're doing what we want to do. And that's our ultimate goal. So, listener question number two, what is your recording setup? For example, what type of microphone <laughs> like right do you now? use? Yeah, well, let's talk about that. Do you have a studio? Well, let's see. It's also we have a known mobile as a studio. truck. Yes. It's a Toyota Tundra. <laughs> Toyota Tundra studio. That's right. That's right. What other type of equipment do you use or is needed to host or publish a podcast? So, this is a perfect question for and a perfect opportunity to say, you do not have to be fancy pants to produce a podcast. Like, you just don't. Um, we bought a Blue Yeti microphone off of Amazon because where else do you buy anything? And we are clearly in our car right now. I don't know what kind of background noise we're getting at the moment, but hopefully, hopefully not. Um, but it's literally hooked up to a Surface Pro. There's nothing fancy about it. We're using Audacity, which I'm pretty sure came with the Surface Pro. Um, when we're in our office, it's hooked up to GarageBand. So there's not a lot of fancy things coming on, going on. Um, when you get into more microphones and doing things like that, like sure, you got to use a little bit of YouTube to guide you and how to get both microphones in one recording and different things like that. But it's not that, it's not that difficult. Yeah, and we've done some podcasts, um, not well, not in our car at this point, but you know, now first, you know, this is the first time. But we have done some podcasts on location, and so of course we've taken the Surface Pro and Audacity's been great for it, and the, and the Blue Yeti microphone is actually really good. We did a lot of research. I did a lot of research on what type of microphone to have so that we could at least have good audio when we're not driving in our car. Um, and so yeah, most of the podcasts that you guys hear have been in our office at our house, uh, which is effectively our third bedroom. Um, and so we've, uh, we have evolved over time. Now we have dual microphones so that our guest has their own microphone or guests. Uh, and then we have <clears throat> our own microphone so that we can just continue to put out better and better audio. So, you know, pardon our probably not so good audio on this podcast. Um, but then, yeah, we use GarageBand, which is actually really, really awesome. Uh, it always comes free on Macs, and Audacity is actually a free program. So that's what we use to lightly edit. Uh, we don't really do much editing. Uh, we, you know, we put the music in there uh, to kind of you know, get people you know, jazzed up. Uh, but then pretty much after that, it's just the conversation. We don't really edit too much. I mean, unless Cooper starts, like, barking and going crazy. 
Uh, it's just it's just a conversation. We don't really try to edit very much because we want to be as, as authentic and, and genuine as possible. I appreciate that you say we when you talk about editing because the truth is Andy does all of the editing and he is very good at it and you know we don't do a whole lot of crazy stuff but he's awesome at it and I have nothing to do with it because it would be the most butchered podcast ever so <laughs> but thanks for uh, saying we I appreciate that <laughs> all right so listener question number three Neither of you are from Texas originally, so how did each of you make your way to Texas, and along the way, how or when did you meet? Um, no, we weren't originally from Texas. No. What, what's the saying? I, I wasn't born in Texas, but, but I, got I got here, here as fast, fast as I could. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not, not really, but yeah. Um, Elizabeth, I'll let you elaborate more, but, but basically, you know, we came to Texas because of great opportunities. Uh, and those opportunities have since, you know, passed and we've you know, been able to create more opportunities. But what has kept us in Texas and what has kept us in Houston has just been awesome, great, amazing opportunities. I love being here. It's such a good place to be. And we unfortunately don't have any of our family here, but we have absolutely created family and we're so, so grateful. So I will do my best to keep our getting here and how we met story brief, but it's one of my favorite stories to tell. So... <laughs> Bear with me. Back in 2008, I had graduated from college from Appalachian State University in North Carolina. That's where I grew up. And Andy graduated from college at the University of Iowa. Oh, <laughs> Not to be confused with Iowa State University. Um, <laughs> so he graduated from the University of Iowa. He is uh, was born in Iowa, actually raised in North Carolina, and then went back to Iowa for college. And his dream job was to be the head football coach at the University of Iowa. Like, he was going to be the next Kirk Verentz, and we were going to live in Iowa, and I was going to need all of the heated floors and a self-starting car so that I didn't freeze because, oh my goodness. <laughs> but that's what he was going to do. And so he moved to Texas in 2008 to pursue a teaching career and coaching football. Because where else do you start coaching football but in Texas, where it is another religion. And so he was in Houston. He got a job in Conroe ISD in the fall of 2008. And I was back in North Carolina, and we did not know each other yet. And I had no idea what I was going to do with my life. I was a little bit of a lost, a lost fish. And I kept working the two jobs that I had in college and was just trying to figure things out. So I called my dad, who owns a manufacturing company, and I knew he traveled a lot for business. And I... I'd worked for him for years, putting thermometers together and different things like that. And so I said, Dad, can I just travel with you and learn about what you're doing and kind of understand the business side of it more? So he let me. And the first trip that we made together was to a trade show in Houston, Texas at NRG. And we were here for a week and I loved it. Like it was just so neat and eye-opening to see all the neat things that are going on when you're at a trade show. I mean, the hustle and bustle there is kind of crazy and it was really neat. So anyways, on our flight back to North Carolina that Friday, we were flying from Houston to Chicago back to Charlotte, North Carolina. And I'm sitting in the terminal at like six in the morning when I see this gorgeous man walk by and I was like, oh my goodness, what is happening? And, uh, you know, I was a little boy crazy and single and like, all right, I'm going to like check this out. But at the end of the day, it was six o'clock in the morning and I was with my dad and three of his colleagues. So what was I really going to do? So I just kind of left it. And I'm sitting on the plane, on the plane 
and my dad's in the aisle seat, I'm in the center seat, and the good-looking guy I saw out in the terminal comes, starts getting on the plane. And he's walking down, walking down, walking down the aisle, and I'm, like, dying in my head, like, oh my gosh, how is this even happening? Like, I just saw him, like, what are the chances that he's on my flight, you know, because I didn't see him, like, sitting where we were waiting for our plane. And next thing I know, he, he says to my dad, I'm in the window seat. And I was like, oh my God, like what in the world? <laughs> and um, anyways, long story short, that man is my husband, Andy, sitting here. Hey, what's up? <laughs> so Andy and I met on an airplane. He was flying from Houston back to Iowa for a football game, and his connecting flight was also in Chicago. So we sat next to each other on a plane from Houston to Chicago, and then uh, talked all the way through the airport and ended up exchanging names. It was like right when Facebook Messenger came out. And so we exchanged names and friended each other on Facebook, because that's what all the cool kids were doing, and um, just started chatting on there. like. For weeks and weeks and weeks, we were just talking, talking, talking. Eventually, um, we started dating, and I was like, well, man, like, this is it. Like, we knew, like, super early on that we were going to get married. I don't know. You just, they always say you know when you know, and it's so, so true. But we didn't want to, like, do things out of step or out of sequence either, because now, now we're dating at a distance, and um, I'm in North Carolina. He's in Houston working. And so we did that for a year and a half. And it was brutal. Yeah, it was pretty tough. <laughs> it was really, really tough. But during that time, I pursued my alternate teaching certification. I had studied child development in college. So I knew I wanted to do something with children. I didn't really know what. And the opportunity in Houston is tremendous for teachers. And so there wasn't really a whole lot, like, telling me no. And so I was applying for jobs, and I was applying for graduate school, and I got into A&M, and uh, I moved out here. So in the summer of 2010, I moved to Houston, and I taught special education for six years and got my master's in special ed. So that is how we met and what brought us here, but Andy's right. I mean, what's kept us here is the family that we've created and the tremendous opportunity now, obviously, we are not teachers. We are business owners, and um, we love what we do, and we love where we are, and we're hanging. <laughs> so, listener question number four. What skills and experiences did you bring with you from your years of teaching that you now apply in owning a business? Oh, man. Well. Did you even get any skills from teaching? <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. Well, you know what was funny, What the, the challenging thing, that's a, it's a, it's a really good question. It's a tough question. It's a resume question, really. And when we were both trying to uh, seek jobs, seek opportunities outside of teaching, oh, my gosh, if people don't understand teaching, uh, they just think teachers literally have no skills. Like, you don't know how to sell. You don't know how to market. You don't know how to balance a spreadsheet. You don't know how to use Microsoft Word. You just stand in front of kids all day and babysit, wipe their noses. Um, and while there is some truth to that, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot more to be to be had uh, from teaching. Uh, a lot of it really is about leadership and organization and structure. And so, so for me, uh, 
one, I think it's also just about you have to go into every single day prepared and knowing what you're doing. Because otherwise, and this is a, a well-known saying in the teaching world, if you don't go into the classroom with a plan, the kids will find out a plan for you. And that is so true. If you don't go in there with a plan saying, you know, this is what we're going to do, at this time we're doing this, this time we're doing this, this time we're doing this, and then the bell rings and boom, you're done. If you don't have that every single day, and that is grueling, that is absolutely grueling to be able to do that 180 some odd days, you know, throughout the year. If you don't do that, man, you lose those kids, you lose uh, your audience uh, so fast, and it just becomes a jungle. Um, and so, what that taught me really super early on was you have to be you have to be prepared. I I have to show up early, especially when you know when we were starting out teaching. Uh, you know, like we were just trying to figure out what the heck we were doing. So I was always I was one of the first teachers there. I was always like planning during my planning period. There were some teachers I was like, man, how do you do that? How do you like not do planning and grade your stuff during your planning period? What do you just you know hung around the literally like the water cooler or whatever I was like having to work and get all that stuff done Um, and so what it taught me was time mastery uh, looking at my schedule and saying okay if I want to go home and be done working then I need to work my tail off while I'm at work Uh, and so that like that translates over into all right if I want to go out with my friends if it's the weekend and we're done you know showing houses or, or whatever then man I've got to be sure that I'm killing it when I have my schedule, you know, set for, for what I'm going to do and then boom, I can be done rather than just kind of procrastinating and, and whatever. And so for me, it's, I, there's a lot of leadership stuff there too, uh, which I mean, I, we could probably just go into a whole podcast about just about that, but definitely leadership skills. You have to be able to relate to a lot of different people. Like if you have 20 students, you know, there's 20 different personalities in there and you're responsible for being sure that they all learn something and they all achieve something. And in sales, it's the same way. You're going to go into a, you know, so you have five sales calls, you know, uh, per day or something like that. You're going to meet with five different people and they might have five different businesses or, or, you know, five different personalities or five different problems that they're facing. If you're going to be uh, effective at your job, you have to be able to relate to them and you have to be able to understand their problem, be able to listen to them. So, yeah, in a nutshell, for me, it's a lot of leadership skills, preparation, planning, time mastery, and being able to relate to people. No, that's beautiful. You totally nailed it. it it's true. Um, the only thing I think I would add is patience. And, you know, you need that compassion, all the time, yeah, every yeah. day. Yes, compassion for sure. Um, it's crucial. It's crucial to have with your students when you're teaching. It's crucial to have with your customers and your clients and your boss and your colleagues. I mean, it is a skill that is transferable to every area of your life and is utterly paramount. And you absolutely learn that in teaching because you have to. You have to have control over your emotions and your words and your actions at all times. And you have to be patient for others when they're trying to learn and you have to explain things in different ways and to reach different children with different activities and different ways of teaching. I mean, it is very nuanced. And like Andy said, it takes a lot of preparation and he's right. You have to be 
completely prepared and ready to go or they will eat you alive. <laughs> and it is so true in the in you know the sales world as well. So it is definitely something that we are always having to check ourselves on and make sure that we are prepared and ready to face the day and face our customers and our clients and everybody that we're working with so that we are on top of things. So absolutely, teaching is, the, the things you learn from teaching are like nothing else. It's really, it's a lot. You can get a lot out of it. Yeah, and I think unfortunately, you know, the difficult thing for us when we were transitioning out is everyone looks at a resume. They want boxes to check. And when you talk about leadership skills and patience and preparation and being prepared, you know, whatever, like those aren't, you can't check boxes necessarily on a resume. They're wanting to say, oh, uh, Microsoft Word and uh, SAP and, you know, this tool and that tool and, you know, yada, 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 buzzword, buzzword, buzzword. Uh, and so that is sometimes the difficult thing because we've actually, we actually know a lot of teachers now, a lot of former teachers uh, that, you know, we're teaching for a, a period of time and now they're, they're out of teaching and they've said the same things. I mean, they learned so many great things and, 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 you know, they learned a lot of skills that prepared them for what they're doing now. But when they were trying to convince someone maybe in a job interview of their skills, it was kind of difficult because it's not, you know, it's, it's not, you know, boxes that, that are checked uh, with these, uh, you know, like tangible skills. It's all soft skills. Yeah, Absolutely. So the next question is, what is your morning routine? Are you a lion, bear, wolf, or dolphin chronotype? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, this question gets asked to us. I don't know if this is a, this is more of a guest question because it's a this is a Everson Cooper frequently asked question that I love asking our guests because it's so unique, and uh, we've gotten really great responses. Uh, and then you know the. Some of the conversations don't always get onto the podcast because we'll stop recording and then our guests will say, oh my gosh, that was a great question, and they want to continue to talk about it. So, um, gosh, probably the last like 10 or 12 guests have always asked us that question as well. So we wanted to include it here. Uh, so for me, I am a lion on the chronotype scale. So that means I enjoy getting up early. Uh, I enjoy getting my day started earlier than most. Uh, but I also then want to go to bed earlier than most. Uh, like it's like kind of it's not late at night right now as we're driving. Um, but I'm like wanting to go to bed here pretty soon. So I've, I have to have a cup of coffee here to like keep me awake. Um, so yeah, I'm definitely a lion and my morning routine, I, this has definitely been a big thing that I have changed and it has been for me, it has been very life altering for, uh, focusing in on my, on my, especially my morning morning routine. And this all comes from a book that I read in 2017 called The Morning Miracle by Hal Elrod. <laughs> Great book. If any of you are listening and like you kind of struggle getting your morning going and you don't, you wake up, you don't really look forward to the day, read that book. Uh, it's, it's fantastic. I can't say enough good things about it. So ultimately, The Morning Miracle uh, focuses on seven uh, different, is it seven? Yeah, seven different um, things in your morning. It's called savers, S-A-V-E-R-S. Uh, so it, you spend a certain amount of time in silence, you do uh, affirmations, you do visualization, you exercise, you read, and then you scribe or you or you write. Uh, and so I do that every morning. That is that is my morning routine. I, we're pretty much up between 5 and 5.30 pretty much every morning. Uh, unless we're have some late night uh, like 
jam session uh, where we're having to talk about renovations and whatever, which we did this past week. When he says late night jam session, he means we got like stuff projected on the TV. We're running numbers. <laughs> yeah, we're calculating stuff. Yeah. <laughs> we're not like dancing around and having like yeah. a party. We're like crushing, running numbers on a property. Yeah. We, we literally had one of those uh, days this past uh, this past week. And so uh, morning routine didn't quite go off as, as it usually does. But, you know, pretty much most weeks, I mean, we're, most, most mornings are like this. So anyway, um, yeah, between 5 and 5.30, running through the savers, uh, doing all that. I go, to, I like to go to the gym. Uh, I have to extract myself from our house. I can't work out at our house. Um, I go to the gym for about an hour, um, and then, yeah, I get back. And then actually, Elizabeth and I, we, we like to spend some quality time together in the mornings, and we take our dog on a walk around our neighborhood. Because uh, sometimes, like, the day can be crazy, and we might not see each other again until, like, 7, 8, 9 o'clock that night. But at least we have that, you know, 20 minutes together, uh, especially and with Cooper. So that's very important to us. Uh, and then, yeah, by about 7.30, um, you know, make it a smoothie get ourselves ready to go and if we're out the door or we're in the office working whatever so the way that I structured is for me 5 a.m. to 8 a.m. no one is really expecting me to answer calls or reply to emails or be anywhere or anything like that 5 a.m. to 8 a.m. is my time so I use that to prepare myself for whatever the day the, the day comes whatever the day brings uh, Tony Robbins calls it uh, priming so he primes himself in the morning to for whatever the day is going to come, and you know, if anyone listens to Tony Robbins' podcast or whatever, I mean, he talked about like a high producer or a high achiever, you know, super busy guy. Um, and so I was like, man, if I can do something, some sort of what Tony Robbins does, maybe I'm on the right right path. And so I pretty much do that for all of 2018, and I am so so happy and grateful that I did because 2018, and I don't say this because it was the most recent year, but 2018 was the best, most awesome year of my life so far. And I'm gonna to continue to do those things and try to find ways to be better and make 2019 the best, most awesome year of my life. And and I really do not think that that morning routine, sticking to that morning routine, I don't think that was a coincidence. I think it was incredibly purposeful and was a lot of what helped bear grapefruit in 2000. <laughs> bear grapefruit. <laughs> mm-hmm. That was good. <laughs> bear really uh, prosperous fruit in 2018. So you didn't answer the question, are you a lion, bear, wolf, or I, dolphin? Yeah, I said I'm a lion. Oh. Well, I that was like it. the first thing that I... I was sleeping. Oh my gosh. Speaking of sleeping. No. <laughs> Alright, I'm sorry, I missed it. Okay, so I'm not a morning person. Like, like not even like not even for a second. And it has taken me a long time to get to where I am now. And I still have a long ways to go. But to give you a little bit of an understanding of where I've come from, I mean, other than like when I was in college and I'd sleep till, you know, noon or whatever, um, in my adult life, I would get up in the morning because Cooper wants to be fed at five o'clock in the morning. So he is waking us up, ready to go, mama, get out of bed. It's food time. So there's like no ignoring that. So, okay, cool. We're getting up at five. And I go to the chiropractor, and one of the home therapy things I'm supposed to do is lay on this kind of like funky shaped foam thing. But I have to lay on a hard surface for it so that my neck does the right things and whatever. So I would literally get up, feed Cooper, let him outside, he would come back in. And by the time I came back in, I had gotten settled on the floor. 
and I'm laying on this neck thing and I have to lay on it for, you know, 20 or 30 minutes. So every single morning by about 5.15, I've fallen back asleep. So my alarm would go off, you know, 20 or 30 minutes later and I would get up and, you know, kind of be in a stupor like, oh, that was terrible because now I just like slept on a hard floor. So I would literally pick everything up and go onto the couch and take another nap. And I liked to call that dessert sleep. <laughs> and Andy was like, what are, like, what dessert sleep? And I'm like, yeah, like, I just slept on the floor and it was terrible and hard and bleh, And I don't want to get up that way. Like, when I wake up, I want to have been comfortable and I want to have slept well and then get up. So I would literally go lay on the couch and sleep some more so that I could get up and feel good. The problem with that is that that whole thing would bring me to, like, 6.45 or 7. I mean, it was ridiculous. So, so basically, I was waking up at 7 a.m., and Andy and I have taken Cooper on walks for years now, so we'd go for a walk then, and then I'd be on my day. And really, it was a total and complete waste of time. And so, we had both read The Morning Miracle uh, at about the same time. And I really struggled with, some, you know, some of the things that he suggested, like the whole putting your alarm across the room thing, I, it's just not going to happen. Like, I'm not going to do it because it's going to be the whole dessert thing, sleep thing all over again because I'm going to be super mad that I have to get up and walk across the room. To my, you know, like, it's just not going to work for me. So it took me a long time to, to get to where, you know, to doing the things that, that he says to do, that Hal says to do in that book. But now... I get up and I really enjoy my mornings and I, I realized that I had to, I had to do things that I was going to enjoy in order to get up and want to do them every day. So I get up and I feed Cooper and I let him back in and it's cool because now like I stay awake and we get to spend some time together if he doesn't, you know, go leave me and hang out with Andy, but like now I'm hanging with my dog. So that's cool. And I make a cup of coffee and I just kind of chill. like. I turn the TV on to like a show that I like, but something that I don't really need to pay attention to. I just like to have noise and I'm just kind of chilling and drinking my coffee and waking up. And then I admittedly usually make another cup of coffee, which is fine. But while I'm waiting for that cup to cool, I'm taking my vitamins, writing in my journal, reading out, you know, a book that I'm, that I'm working on. Like I'm doing these other things to try and be productive and start my day with intention. You know, I write things like I'm grateful for and I write some statements of, of things I'm grateful for. And I write, you know, today would be great if, and I write, you know, what that looks like. And then I, I write my goals that I'm working on, like are the steps that are, I, I write my rocks, we call them quarterly rocks. It's an EOS thing, if you're familiar with EOS. So we've got our goals for 2019, but then we've got the rocks, the things that we need to focus on quarter one. So I write those so that I, you know, remind myself every day of what I'm focusing on and, and what I need to be doing. And it's so nice. Like it's, I feel like I'm taking care of myself. And, um, then after my second cup of coffee, cause I need to, I am, then I do my workout and I am not like Andy. I like to work out at home. And so I've actually got a subscription and I can pull up a workout on my phone and get to it. So it's, super great and then by the time Andy gets back from the gym seven o'clock and we're going for a walk and you know on our merry way so it's just been a really good thing so at the end of the day I am a total bear I like to you know wake up late and then get started but I've really been working hard to change that 
And so now all my friends know that by like nine o'clock at night, I'm done. Like, <laughs> I like do not text me. But at five o'clock in the morning, when I respond to their nine o'clock at night text message, <laughs> they know it's me. So you know things have changed, and I you know have evolved over time. But I'm really grateful for the way that I start my day. And I actually get frustrated when I can't start my day like that. So it's it's really hard when you have super awesome nights like the other night when we're like working really hard on a deal and trying to you know make the numbers work and all the things like that but then it throws you off when it comes to getting up the next day and that frustrates me so (laughs) I don't really know I haven't quite become the person that can you know survive off four or six hours of sleep I think I think we'll get there eventually because that's gonna have to be our next step because there's just not enough time (laughs) but um anyways that's that's my morning routine and I'm really grateful for it I like it a lot and the great thing about what what I like about having that morning routine and not being a, certainly not being a prisoner to it, but just holding ourselves accountable to it is it makes us then have a like turn off time at night because it, really not that long ago, we would just stay up and uh, like maybe just watch Netflix or we just say, Oh, well we got this to do or oh, I've got another email to do. And before we knew it, it was 11 o'clock, 1130, 1215. And then when, you know, when, as we're, when we're staying up that late and our bedtime just shifts back and forth and it's not a constant you know, time where we're going to bed, it is super difficult to get up in the morning at a decent time. So when, when you're constantly staying up at 11.30 to midnight or, or past and you're saying, oh, I'm going to get up at 5 a.m., like that's not a thing, at least not for us. Like, you know, like Elizabeth said, we, uh, we're not people that can really subsist for long periods of time on four and five hours of sleep. I've got to get a good like six and a half hours. If I can get six and a half hours, I'm usually usually pretty good. And so what that means is, if I'm getting up at 5:30, man, I better have my tail in bed by 10 p.m. Like no no ifs ands or buts about it. Yeah, for sure, absolutely. All right. So our last listener question for this week is: What is your definition of success? And who are some examples of people that living that are living out that definition that serve as role models for you? Yeah, so actually what's funny is people have asked us that question. That has also been not only just a listener question, but that has been a guest question as well. And I guess we put this, we we'd already had this asked of us so many times that we had, had this on there and planned for this. But then Chad Patterson, uh, who I think we just published, um, asked us that question and so we uh you know answered it on a previous podcast but nonetheless you know not try not to try and be redundant or repetitive on on the question but uh, so i guess yeah elizabeth go so talk about what your definition of success and maybe some people some role models or whatever that are living out your definition of success cool so yes chad did turn the tables on us and asked us this and for me, before, like when I was transitioning out of teaching, I, part of, the biggest reason that I was doing that I was is that I was finding myself very unhappy. And I was exhausted and probably a little depressed and just not taking care of myself at all. And I just, it was not good. I was not in a good place. I was not myself. I was not happy. And it's really no way to live your life. So I knew, like, 
I knew I didn't like how I felt. I didn't like how I felt about myself, about my job, about all the things. Like when I was home, I was happy. But when I had to go to work, I was miserable. And so when I left teaching and we started our business and I was doing all the things that I get to do every day, you know, to, to make this business successful, the, the complete and total like joy that I felt in my heart and, and, and in my life was unbelievable. Really? Like I was so happy. I was myself again. I was thriving and growing and learning, you know, to be a better me and a you know, how to be a business owner, you know, which I'm still learning how to do. And then of course, like trying to grow as a business owner and grow as a person. And I, I liked that. I like how it feels when I'm doing those types of things and when I'm interacting with other people and I'm helping them and being social with them and all these great things that I get to do in growing our business. And I feel like, like that, when you really feel that joy and that happiness and that peace about what you're doing, that's when you're successful. It's not to me like a number either, you know, it's not a number of houses for us or a dollar number for us or, you know, anything like that. It's, it's that we've truly got peace and joy in what we are doing and we feel like we're making an impact and just doing good. And that feeling is successful to me. Like, I feel like, I feel like I've made it every day and yet I know that I keep having to grow and evolve and do more and be more and learn more and I like that. So I think that success is something that's always evolving. Like you're you're always you're always becoming more and more successful. You're always evolving in that. But when you can find that true peace and that true joy in what you're doing, that to me is success. And people that that embody that, I mean seriously all of our podcast guests and that is why we've asked them to be on our podcast they are truly living out our definition of success in so many ways it's so neat to be able to talk to them and learn about who they are as a person and then what they're doing with their business and it makes perfect sense like each and every one of our podcast guests completely embodies what they do and you know that they were made for it. It's so cool. Like I was actually with Angela Aja today and we were talking about all these different things and she said that when she was starting to build her business, she felt like, oh, maybe she should be more outgoing because she's, she's just by nature very calm and relaxed and she doesn't really get stressed about things. And, you know, so when she was building her business, she thought that maybe she needed to be more outgoing and social and all these things. But she just decided to make peace with, you know, who she is and how, you know, and how she behaves and, you know, interacts with others and all the things. And I said, Angela, that's what makes you so good at what you do. Like, that is why she is so good and why she has this beautiful business and this book and all the things that she's doing and the impact that she's making. And all of our listeners, or all, excuse me, all of our guests just truly, truly embody that. And I, and I know that that's why they're so good at what they do. And I, I love that. And I, I think it's honorable and I think it's courageous to be who you are and embrace that and create a life around that. And I just love that. And that's why I want to capture all of their stories and share them with everybody.
Well done. <laughs> that was phenomenal. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. I don't know. I don't think I can... I don't have that much to add. I mean, you... <laughs> man, you, you crushed that one. Uh, and, and uh, I mean, I think it would be silly if I had a different, you know, definition of success since we're in this together and whatever. And, and it's, that, that's something that we talk about constantly, um, you know, is, you know, what are we going after? Well, okay, what what is it going to look like, you know, when we, if we accomplish this or we, you know, get this or whatever. But yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more that, you know, you said success is evolving. It's always evolving. You know, I don't think there's ever this time where you know, you're climbing the mountain and you get to the top and you plant your flag and say, okay, well, I'm done. Uh, well, then, 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 you know, then what? Are you, did you just die then? Like, is that it? You know? And like, for us, that's certainly not, that's not, it's not what it's going to be. There's going to be times where we get to the, to the mountaintop and we feel like we are like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. But then we got to keep going you know, because we want to keep going. Um, and I know that that's, I know that that is what, you know, how other people feel as well. And yeah, so I, I guess just to kind of put a bow on it, it's, I think it's waking up every single day, just happy with who you are, happy with what you have done and happy with what you are about to go do. Uh, it's not, a, I don't think it's a tangible thing. Success is not a tangible thing. And we, we've, I mean, we've been fortunate to meet a lot of people that have accomplished a lot and have a lot of money and actually I think like are really unhappy but then we've also met a lot of people that on paper doesn't really seem like they've done a bunch you know um and you know they you know are, are middling you know like they're living a, well on paper would be like a middle class life or whatever but they're like just the most happiest uh most generous and like you know giving and abundant people like that that's successful too and so, you know, to, to put, you know, any sort of tangible goodness on it, I don't think that the, the, the tangible stuff is a byproduct of someone being happy, someone being fulfilled, someone doing purposeful things for, for themselves, for a family, for a community, uh, everyone that they touch. And I think if you are doing that every single day, then man, you're like, you're successful. Absolutely. Love it. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us for our first round of listener questions. We will be coming to you again in a few weeks, and we are really excited. So thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. We are very, very grateful for each and every one of you. It's an honor to be able to do this. We hope that you enjoy it and get something out of it. And please, please reach out to us if you have any questions, comments. And if you like our podcast, please review it. We would love it to reach other people and reach more audience and if it's helping you then I'm sure it can help somebody else so please review us and share it if you are compelled rate it review it <laughs> share it with your pals and buddies on all the social intermediate social media interweb stuff <laughs> all that good stuff I sound like so such an old dude you are an old dude <laughs> <laughs> thanks guys Hey guys, thank you for listening. One more thing before you go. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can find more episodes in our archives at eversoncooper.com slash podcast. You can also find all past episodes on iTunes, the Apple podcast app, Spotify, Google play, and pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts. 
Please don't forget to send us a review and a rating. We are not trying to feed our ego. Just ratings and reviews help us reach more listeners that could benefit from what our guests have shared. And our guests then benefit more uh, from being on the podcast. So rate and review us on iTunes, podcast app, and all those other platforms I mentioned. Speaking of platforms, we would love it if you shared the Everson Cooper podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, whatever social media you use. Lastly, if you want to receive a fresh new Everson Cooper podcast episode every Wednesday, be sure to subscribe and you will get the latest episode sent right to you automatically. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.